Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. How can you become a great leader? Maybe you just need to ask. Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz here. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about how great managers ask the right questions. But first, congratulations. You believe in lifelong learning. You believe that to achieve more, you must become more. You believe that leadership, in all its forms, is the key to making an impact. Whether you listen during your morning commute or maybe on your morning run, you know that LeadX helps you to stand out and get ahead. LeadX is the smartest way to start your day. And today's one-minute career tip is be on time. Now, this really needs no explanation, but I'm shocked at how many people are so relaxed with showing up on time. When you show up late for a meeting, late for a sales call, late for a conference call, whatever, people interpret that as either you value your time more than you value their time, or they just think you're disorganized, you're incompetent. So I used to tell my team members, when you walk into a meeting late, it's like walking into the room and giving everyone the middle finger. It's rude. I'm almost always on time to the minute for calls and meetings. And if it's a sales call, I'll show up 30 minutes early, sometimes an hour early if it's an important meeting, just to make sure I have enough time in case I get a flat tire or there's traffic, some unforeseen event. These days, we can all work from our phones and laptops. So if I need to do a little work sitting in my client's lobby before the meeting, that's just fine. Don't give people the middle finger. Be on time. I'm excited for our guest today, fellow entrepreneur. He founded a company when he was just out of college with $4,000 and two employees, and he quickly grew it to over 2,000 employees and took that company public on the NASDAQ. Today, he's managing partner and co-founder of CO2 Partners, an executive coaching and leadership development firm. His book is Just Ask Leadership, Why Great Managers Always Ask the Right Questions. Our guest is Gary Cohn. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Oh, we're going to have fun, and I'm going to ask a lot about your book in just a minute, but I always start with the same first question. Will you share with our listeners a time when you failed, maybe early in your career? What did you learn from it? You know, um, I'd have to say the area where I had the biggest growth from failure was actually in my childhood, and it um, propelled me for the rest of my career which is that I grew up with very severe learning challenges. Um, I didn't know that I had ADD. I had active working memory issues. I had graphomotor issues. And the culmination of it put me in the third and fourth uh, grade levels when I was in seventh grade. Wow. So that was a very, that was a very challenging time for me. And by the end of high school, um, through tutoring and extra work and stuff, I was – you know, in the top 10% of my class. Um, however, uh, that stuck with me, the torment of it. Well, t tell us more about, I mean, what you learned from that experience, what our listeners who, you know, might, might be struggling with similar issues can take away from that. I think that, like, when I related to my career, I, I found that when I was in school, I wound up finding who were the smartest kids 
and um, asking them lots of questions and doing study halls with them. And so I think what it did for me was realize that I didn't need to be the smartest person in the room uh, and that there were a lot of really smart people out there who are really gifted at a lot of different things. And I could draw on them, you know, to get things done. And this is obviously the the very origin of your superpower around asking great questions. It seems like it. I, you know, it, it was uh, certainly by accident. It, you know, most of the great things in life are. I always think of, uh, you know, the Reese's peanut butter cup commercial where the chocolate and the peanut butter kind of found each other. Right. Accidentally end up with each other. Yeah, exactly. So me and questions, kind of the same thing. <laughs> now, we heard in the intro how you and a friend started uh, you know, your business, business with almost no money. You grew it quickly and went, went public. And in your book, you say that question asking was the pillar of our success. And you were very young when you started, so it clearly wasn't because you had you know, this great business experience already behind you. So tell us a little bit more about that company and you know, why were questions so important in growing it? Yeah, I started with a friend of mine when we were, uh, we'd known each other since we were six. And uh, um, he had photographic memory. You know, I'm still jealous of that. Uh, Rick Diamond. And uh, so Rick and I started out and, you know, the questions that we asked were all about information at first. It was about gathering knowledge so that we would know. I mean, we knew nothing about the call center business, which we had entered. And so it was only about asking questions to to gather more information for us. And before long, you know, you kind of become an expert at something and everybody comes to you with questions. However, as the business scales, you realize that something's wrong here, that if you keep answering all the questions for people, uh, you're not going to grow. You become your own bottleneck. And so that's when our questions started to change from um, knowledge to getting people to move to action with our questions. So the questions become um, way more uh, about you and way more about the other Hmm. and uh, letting go of your own knowing eventually, you know, that's that's a hard one to do and getting other people to have their own brilliance and execute on their own brilliance. This is you know, just a, a, an entrepreneur to entrepreneur question. I'm curious because when you exited, you said you just mentioned it was a call center company. Now, I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs, and, and I guess I'm one of them, who you do an exit, you take a little bit of time off, but then you go right back into the industry that you had success in because that's where your your experiences, your contacts. But you didn't do that. I mean, why did you decide, you know, after uh, leaving the, the the one company to, you know, start up CO2 and and sort of get out of that call center business? I was really burned out. I, um, I, I never really liked the industry, uh, and it, it was a gift to me, meaning that the timing was perfect. The industry was just exploding. It was hard to do it wrong. You know, you just uh, rather be lucky than smart, <laughs> and that's what it was. And I was just, you know, I led the legislative affairs uh, efforts um, in the industry for the association, and um, so it's hard to sell every day while you're fighting Washington the same day. Right. And I just it was it was just enough. So I took a sabbatical. I took a year off. And while I was doing that, my brain gets restless. So I started working on this book 
And why another leadership book? The fun <laughs> part about this book was it was not about my career. So I wasn't writing it with any kind of ego in mind or like um, market in mind, meaning I wasn't in the practice of leadership at the time. Right. I was just interested in the topic and friends kept saying, you know, wh why this topic? And I kept finding that we'd go to all these leadership programs and they use the Socratic method, but they'd never teach us about questions. <laughs> and I thought that was peculiar, given that what we had discovered, Rick and I, was that questions were our strategy, that if we were really good at our questions, we were really good at our job. Mm. And when I looked out there, there were like three or four books on the topic. And had I discovered one of them before, it might have put me off a little because I actually think Marilee Adams' book is Change Your Question, Change Your Life, really gets at it in a very different way than Just Ask Leadership does. But she does a really fine job um, through story right, to get people to you know see how their questions are driving them. However, they're just um, the other books, they just didn't do it for me as far as a, a sense of what leaders really, what would really help them in their leadership role early on. Because when we interviewed leaders for the book, when I say we, it was really I, I did over 100 interviews. Mm. And by and large, each one of these leaders, but for two, accidentally discovered it later in their career, that it was the question. Right. And so my thought was, what happens if you didn't discover it by accident, but you did it on purpose and you did it earlier in your career? And so that was kind of the motivation by the end. And you just mentioned, you know, the word ego and earlier in, in, in your first answer, you talked about, you know, having to let go of your own knowledge or in my case, you know, I had to let go of believing that I was always the smartest guy in the room uh, because I wasn't. And so when it comes to leadership and ego, you know, you say there's a paradox to it. What do you what do you mean by that? Well, this came later after the book, but it, it kind of shows itself in the book. It, the, the idea I always think of it is, you know, what I do most of the day is coach CEOs. And so when I'm coaching them, I always think of it like you turn an envelope on its side on the edge. OK. And so on one side, it's you need um, a sense of. Uh, efficacy, a sense of um, I'm enough to do this job. Okay. And what happens is, as you, as you help the leader to that edge, um, it's trying to help them stay on that edge because on the other side of the envelope is ego mm. and narcissism. And I'm more than enough. And what I always say to my clients is there's a point in which they will think I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know we're on the other side of the envelope because I haven't changed one way or the other. It's smart or dumb, you know, <laughs> but it's how they see other people. And so it's the ego that winds up taking over. And all of a sudden they stop asking questions. It's like, I already know the answer. Why would I bother? Right. They stop seeking out more and more learning and information uh, for themselves. And they and they start believing that they already know the answer for all their people. And they tell them what to do and how to do it rather than having people figure it out for themselves. So I always say the shortest distance between two points is the other person's way to get there. <laughs> I love that. And when the ego takes over, that's not true. It's my way is the best way. 
and the other people wind up resisting. I think I need to frame that statement even just for myself because uh, especially in startup mode when there's always so many things to quote unquote fix and you want to move so fast, often the leader will feel like the shortest way is just to do it myself. And as you mentioned, that's not usually the case. It's hard to scale. <laughs> and I get it. At the startup mode, it is very difficult not to do that. Right. It's very difficult not to. And you got to fight all the urges. And even when you fight all the urges, it still comes to haunt you. That's right. That's right. So, uh, Gary, your book is you know, filled with all these different thought-provoking questions you know, around vision, culture, decision-making, accountability. And I want our listeners to realize that it's, it's not just this really interesting stuff that we're talking about here. I mean, these, there's word-for-word -word questions that you can use as a, as a leader that, for you to think about in all these different areas. And, of course, in this short podcast, we can't go through them all. But, Gary, give us, uh, you know, are there any go-to questions that, that you want to uh, share with us that are particularly effective or great for, for first-time managers to, to sort of have in their toolkit? I find whose decision is it is one of my favorite questions because – it's one often not asked. And so let's just take a, a scenario in which somebody walks into your office and um, they lay down an issue or a challenge or something. And if you don't say quickly to, your, to yourself, once you understand what the issue is, whose decision is it, and you're the boss, the likely event is you're going to be making a decision. Mm. And it is so... In so many ways, it's not good, right? Because you're taking away the person's engagement, their accountability, because as soon as you make the decision, you're responsible for it, no matter what or how it's executed, right? So by um, asking that question, you'll often find it's usually not your decision to make. Yes, you could make it, but it's not yours to make. And, and I find the best leaders are the ones who move the decisions as far down the organization as they possibly can. This is, uh, that's a great question. And it reminds me of, of sort of a similar area around, you know, setting hard rules in a company. As companies grow, there tends to be more and more rules and policies. And I had a great mentor, uh, Bill Erickson, who told me, you know, every time uh, you put a rule in place, you're taking away the opportunity for one of your team members to make a decision. You know, is this, should I spend this much money uh, on, on that travel meal or not? Should I come to work dressed in this way or not? And those are silly examples. But every time you take away a choice, it becomes, you know, your company, not the team member's company. You know, it's the boss's company. It's the investor's company. I love that. Yeah. And I, I that resonates with so much. The more we can um, push those decisions down, the more they will feel like they're accountable for that decision, for that project, for their department, for, for the company. That's really powerful. You know, what's interesting about what you're saying is there's a whole trending going on. I don't know if you've noticed it, but um, there's a book out now called The Everyone Culture by Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy. And Lisa's a friend. And what I said to her is, like, when you write, you put words to my thinking. <laughs> like, you know when that happens and you just you marvel at it, right? And what they talk about is the everyone culture is it can't be one person's anymore. And how do we develop organizations that – 
everybody's responsible for defining that culture and um, adapting and changing and growing and developing people. And um, I'm seeing it more and more in literature. And that was kind of the start of my um, opening up that possibility. And I love what you're saying about it. And I'm not familiar with with that book. I just made a note to to get it uh, right away, and and sounds like it'd be a great another great podcast. <laughs> it would be a terrific one, and both of them are great personalities. Uh, as far as uh, they get it, they're two Harvard professors uh, who study organizational development. Excellent. No, I appreciate that. So, Gary, before we wrap up, I always challenge our listeners to become just a little bit better every single day, become, you know, improve just a little bit every day. So challenge us. What's something that we can do today to become a little bit of a, of a better leader? I think it's about authenticity. And the idea is, you know, I'm borrowing the term from someone else, but it's being authentic about your inauthenticity. Mm. So I'll give you, you know, a simple example. Sometimes I ask my clients if they're willing to do something. And I say, you know, I've tried this and I've not succeeded at it. However, we're different people and I think you actually have a different set of skills and um, way about you than I do. And I think that you could make this work if you're up for it. As opposed to the guru way. Right. Right. Which is. You really need to do this. Now, I've failed at it all, all the time, but I'm not even going to mention that. Or when you're listening to somebody, tell them your bias up front before they start talking so that they actually understand that they're explaining to someone who already has a bias. And people really resonate with people with that level of authenticity. Love that. Be authentic. Uh, absolutely. That's a powerful challenge, sometimes hard to remember. And again, the hustle and bustle and the crazy busy. So today is the day where we issue that challenge to keep it, uh, keep it top of mind. Awesome. Gary, thank you for coming on to LeadX Show. Tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and your work. It's very easy. Either go to co2partners.com or you can Google my name, Gary B. Cohen, and uh, I'll show up. Um, they can also pick up the book on Amazon. Just ask leadership. Why great managers always ask the right questions. Perfect. Friends, you've just been mentored by Gary Cohn. Don't forget, you can get all the links he just mentioned and the notes from this interview over at leadx.org. And of course, you can download our free ebook, Richard Branson's Seven Secrets to Leadership at leadx.org forward slash Branson. If you want to join our private ambassador group on Facebook, and why wouldn't you? We give away a ton of stuff each month. All you need to do is leave a short review on iTunes. Let me know. I'm at Kevin at leadx.org, and we will send you an invite into that ambassador group. Until next time, friends, please remember, leadership isn't a choice because leadership is about influence, not authority. And you influence people when you speak up and when you take action, but you also influence those around you with your silence when you choose to be a bystander. We are all leaders. How will you lead today? <laughs>